Well, as Pastor Norm mentioned, uh, my name is Jeff Bonzelar, and I have the happy pleasure of serving as Executive Director of Life Challenge Ministries, better known to many of you as Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, how many of you are familiar with our story somewhat? Teen Challenge, now it's Adult and Teen Challenge. David Wilkerson, 1958. What you might not know is there are now 218 brick-and-mortar residential centers in the United States. So that's 63 years later, and there are over, listen to this, over a thousand centers spread across a hundred different countries. So this is more than a U.S. movement. Uh, Adult and Teen Challenge has found its uh, place in over, as I said, a hundred different countries. We all know that we have an epidemic. We have a pandemic going on, but we also have an epidemic, a drug and alcohol epidemic. You might not know that one out of eight Americans that are 18 and older, one out of eight suffers from an alcohol use disorder. One out of eight. You might not know that in terms of drug overdose deaths due to opioids, we had over 93,000 Americans lose their life in 2020. That's up nearly 30% from 72,000 in 2019. We have an incredible problem. In fact, I'd like to ask some of you, how many of you know someone in your social network, a friend, a family member, someone you work with, maybe someone in your neighborhood, someone at you know, your school that is right now suffering from a drug and or alcohol addiction? Raise your hand. And if you are viewing online, I'd say at least three-quarters of the attendees in this room have raised their hand. Drugs and alcohol are not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter your social class, your religious history, your IQ, your EQ, your AQ, your whatever. It has hit us all. And what I have seen over the years, I've been part of this ministry pretty much all my life. I actually grew up at a, at a Teen Challenge facility. You know, Pastor Norm, there are PKs, preacher kids. I know, Ron, you're a preacher kid. We've got MKs, missionary kids, and we also have TCKs, Teen Challenge kids. So I literally grew up with up to 28 recovering addicts as a boy. Sat around the same table, went to church on a big yellow bus, and that was my norm, that was my world. And for the last 33 years, I've had the pleasure of working full-time at uh, uh, Life Challenge Ministries, again, um, which comes under Adult and Teen Challenge. And what I've seen over the years is how many enter into this cruel world of addiction through perhaps a sports injury. Uh, or perhaps, you know, something happens you know, they've got a tooth problem, and they're prescribed certain meds, and it begins oftentimes a slippery slope, one that catches people off, you know, off their, their, their guard. And so we have um, a program that's designed to help men and women experience healing and help in Jesus' name. Here in Michigan, in case you didn't know, I'm giving you a lot of information we have four centers, one in Saginaw and one in Muskegon, where I grew up, and then two, 
one in Detroit and one in Flint, which we own and operate. So four centers, we own and operate two of them. One of our facilities accommodates women. And I just want to get this out. We want to help. So if you've got someone who needs more than meetings, thank God for meetings, AA, NA, CR, Celebrate Recovery, and all the other kinds of meetings, Bible studies. But some people just need to get away for a spell. They need to get out of that zone, that craziness, and get rooted and grounded or re-rooted and grounded in the love of God. And we want to be your go-to people. You know, we consider ourselves the ER room of the local church. We're your ER room where we'll take those that they need serious help with an addiction that has been perhaps festering in their life for years and years. And we want to be those people. So get some brochures and uh, resource yourself appropriately. Would you do that? Good, good. And Pastor Norm, I just want to say to you and the rest of this church, thank you for believing in the power of the gospel. And thank you for believing that people you know what, they're worth, and they're worthy of another chance, or two, or three. I don't know what chance I'm on, okay? I lost count years and years ago, but you're worth that, and the people that you and I do life with are worth that, made in God's image, but they've fallen off the wagon, many of them, and many of them because of life circumstances, which if we had been subjected to, we might have been and become twice the son or daughter of hell. Can I get a witness to that? So no judgment here. We're just to come alongside people in their journey who are struggling, and we want to be of assistance. Thanks for believing in the ministry of helps and service to people. And uh, I want to introduce you to some of my special friends. This was really hard because we have some time limits, which we respect. And I'd love to be able to interview each man. And by the way, between our two campuses, we're toggling between 40 and 60 men and women at any given time. So we just brought up a few. So I'm going to ask Mark, I'm going to ask Kirk, and I'm going to ask Nate. You guys come on up here. And... Uh, let's start with Mark. Go over to my left. And if you would grab that mic, you may need to turn it on. Are we on? Testing one, two. Oh, there, there I was. Testing. There we go. Okay. Good. Good. So uh, these guys, by the way, really enjoyed Lost Valley. Uh, Keith, raise your hand if you would. He said, man, I woke up happy and so did everyone else. We were just kind of giddy. Well, there's something in the air here in Gaylord, okay? There's something at Lost Valley, but there's something special about just being outside of Detroit. There really is. Uh, I have made the run on 75 for years and years, my wife had a set of grandparents who owned a, a little cabin in Indian River. So, you know, like good Detroiters, we would learn to come up really early on Friday and leave early Sunday or late Sunday so we could miss the parking lot that, you know, started in Bay City area. You know what I'm talking about. You don't, maybe, but I do, okay? But we've enjoyed uh, the northern air, and um, it's just great to be with you. So, Mark... Um, Let's just start with some, you know, basics. Uh, how long have you been in the program? Um, coming on three months. Three months. Where are you from? Um, Downriver area, just south of Detroit. Okay, Ron, you'd know that area. Flat Rock. 
What part of Downriver, by the way? Um, Trenton, which is just a little bit north of Flat Rock. Yeah, they were enemies with Flat Rock, so you shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> Kidding. So, Mark, uh, I remember doing your interview. Fact is, at the time we interviewed, uh, I was in Ohio. I still remember that. I was at my son's house, and you were where? Um, in the hospital. In the hospital. And what was going on in that hospital? Um, just I was um, abusing a lot of different substances and um, came to a um, screeching halt. Just I needed to get help. You know, can I ask you, uh, and this is not an easy thing to do in front of people you don't know, but these are good people, and they believe in the power of God, and they love to hear what God is up to, and they believe in people like you. So, Mark, um, what happened that you got off the, the reservation and wound up using and abusing drugs? It had been over years. Um, I was prescribed different medications from a psychiatrist, um, and over time, um, I just started taking more and more. Um, couldn't handle the stress, and um, just kind of cracked. To where I had to take an ambulance to the hospital, and then they took me to another hospital. Um, so, Mark, all the while, you've had some supportive family members, correct? That's very. And tell us a little bit about one or two of them and their role in your journey of recovery. Um, yeah, I, I have a great father and a, a great sister who came over um, while I was definitely abusing different drugs. And they called the ambulance and uh, the police uh, said that I was, um, you know, a threat to myself. Uh, at the time, I, I did not agree, but they were certainly right. And uh, so I took a nice ambulance ride, and now... Um, they're there every weekend to support me, and uh, I couldn't ask for a better so, family. So just before you fast forward too quickly, so, you know, they, they did kind of an intervention and said, enough's enough, you're killing yourself, even though you didn't see it. Um, so you wind up in the hospital and tell us what role mom and, excuse me, dad and sister had. Um, they were the one that uh, found out about Life Challenge, um, and... Uh, it's been a, the biggest blessing of my life. You know, um, addiction affects not just the addict, but it affects everybody in their life, the people that they love the most, the people that, that care for them. So I think if I remember the story right, your sister attends a local church in the Detroit area, knew about us, and um, really served as that door opener, as it were, and uh, directed you our way. So when we talked, um, what was that like? Do you recall? Were you itching to come, ready? I, 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 you know, it had been a lot of years that I was battling with addiction. Um, tell you the truth, I never thought I would be sober this long um, and, and find a relationship with God. Um, I was excited to go um, and to come. See, I remember that, and that's not typical. Um, you know, most people aren't jumping up and down to enter into a one-year residential program. It's not, you know, a life dream at the age of 15. You know, when I'm X age, you know, I want to do this. But there are others that I've, I've witnessed, and Mark was one of those. I just, I'm tired of this. And there was a tinge of hope in you. Man, my sister said that this place can help you, and they, they will help you find God. And so I remember that distinctly in that interview, like, man, Pastor Jeff, I'm ready. I want to. 
I want to get out of this. So what's happened in three months? Uh, things that I never thought were possible. Um, I've been sober, um, finally getting my relationship back with God, um, and there's hope, hope restored, because I was lost, as you know. Amen. And one last um, question, Mark. Um, your recovery has uh, very important implications because you have, as I recall, um, one special person under you in your life that, man, you've got to get it together for. Mallory. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, may I ask many of you to pray for Mark? Mark, just, just, I want you to look at these folks. How many of you will once in a while pray for Mark? Would you do that? He's got to get it. He's got to get it for his daughter, his sister, his dad, and, and many others. They're going to be praying for you. All right, man. Kirk. So, Kirk, um, let's get some vitals out. You and I share many things in common, not the least of which is age. How old are you? 57. 57. Give it up for the 57-year-olds. Kirk, you've been with us how long? Uh, Friday was the end of my seventh month. Okay. Uh, Pastor Norm, he comes to us through Pastor Steve Miller out in Three Rivers. So tell us, um, nine months ago, Kirk, what was the landscape like in your life and 10 months and 12 months ago? Uh, my wife decided to take a different path than I thought was right. I turned keep to alcohol. Keep that right up there. Wound up just uh, getting drunk every night, trying to get over it. Uh, a friend of mine took me in, and uh, can, can we? Can I just go back? Yep. Um, so you're married. You've got a couple of precious daughters, Two. and due to some problems in your life, decisions. Um, what was going on and what you were doing had definitely uh, serious implications Correct. on the yes. people that you loved the most. Yes. Correct. And Kirk, um, no one wants to be an alcoholic, especially when they see what it's doing to the people they love the most. What do you say to someone who's never had that problem and they say, well, why didn't you just stop? Uh, you can't. It's, uh, once it grabs hold of you, just, uh, it just takes you away deeper and deeper. And so you wind up um, out of the house. What was your mental, emotional state? Um, I was lost. I was broken, heartbroken. Get that up there. Um, I lost, uh, she took my kids with her, haven't seen them, and uh, I went to work, and as soon as I got off, I went home and started drinking. I didn't want to deal with it, didn't want to feel it, and alcohol took it away. So Kirk, um, you were beginning to share about uh, a gentleman that goes to our friend's church. 
uh, a man who reached out to you and opened up his house. Tell us, tell us about that. Yes, uh, his name's John. He goes to uh, New Hope in Three Rivers. And uh, <clears throat> I wound up, he took me in, and uh, I was just drinking. I was coming home, getting drunk. I stayed in the bedroom until I got drunk, and I'd come out and start watching TV. And very sublimely or whatever, I, the Lord was working through him. All of a sudden, we started work, uh, watching church on TV. All of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden. You know, you know what I love? I've heard this story a few times, and John wasn't pushy. You know, he didn't try to cram anything down your throat. Nope. Just, a, just a man who welcomed you. Yep. And so uh, all of a sudden, some Christian TV comes on. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was good. I, uh, I grew up in the church uh, down south, Arkansas. I was saved when I was 14. Went in the Navy and kind of drifted away. Started drinking pretty heavy then, and uh, that continued on. So, yeah, I was in the bad. I was in a bad spot, and uh, he never said anything. He turned it on and he looked over at me. He's like, "Is this okay? Do you mind?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's good." Yeah. It's his house, okay? Yeah, I don't. No, John, you can't watch your church in your house. But uh, yeah, so we did that. That went on for a few weeks, and and. Uh, one night we were watching church. He's like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm going to church tomorrow. Would you like to, if you want, you can go with me. I was, okay, sure, John. And uh, that's when I met, went to New Hope, met Pastor Steve. We did that for probably a month, continued watching, and I was just, I was spiraling down. He knew it. He saw it. He sat there and watched me every night. And it got to the point where I wasn't really coming out of my room. I just come home and start drinking, go to sleep, pass out, whatever you want to call it. And uh, one night we're sitting there watching TV, and I was, I was, I was drunk. And uh, he's, he was on his tablet, and he's looking out, and he's like, hey, there's a, there's a place right here in uh, Kalamazoo. I was in Three Rivers, so it's 16 miles or whatever, that um, you might like to think about doing. And he didn't, that, that was it. That was the end of the conversation. Next day or two, he's like, hey, I remember that place I told you about? They've they got some openings if you're interested. And that went on for a little bit. And I was, finally, I was just, when I, I'm like, yeah, John, I'll go. <laughs> so, You know what? John sounds like a good fisherman. Yeah. You can't force it, can you? But you just kind of flow with it. And so he's just fishing, exercising yeah, patience. Just calm, just got the Lord on his side, so he's, he's got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Uh, so, like I said, I was, I was, I mean, every night it was getting worse and worse, just more and more, and the drinks were getting alcohol and soda, you know, it was bad, it was bad, uh, so he set it up, and I went, we went there, and on the way there, I had my glass, and it was straight vodka, and I checked in there, and the first thing that we did, walked in the lobby, and they gave me a breathalyzer, it's like .458. And they're like, oh, God, you know where you're going. Straight into the detox. And uh, that's when it, things really went bad. I was in there four days, and I got so sick, they rushed me to the emergency room. Where I was uh, semi-conscious for the next two weeks. 
<clears throat> I lost the use of my leg. My arms were shaking. My face went numb. All I had was to, uh, the thought of my daughters and the Lord. And uh, during rehab, I just, he came to visit me. He's like, Pastor Steve knows Pastor Jeff, and they're willing to uh, take you in a life challenge if you're willing to go. I said, yeah, I need something. <laughs> Best thing that's ever happened. So, Kirk, um, I don't know if the people heard it. Best thing that's happened. Uh, what do you mean by that? What's happened? And what is happening? <clears throat> well, I kind of struggled. I've been in the Navy. I went to boot camp. This is This was... An eye opener, Bible boot camp, <laughs> to say the least. The first three months, I just, uh, I decided, like I did when the Navy, I just, I'll keep my shut, I keep my mouth shut. I'll go through this, get through it, do what I got to do. But uh, somewhere in the third month, we came across this, probably one of your classes. We came across Matthew six and six says to uh for when you pray go into your room close your door behind you pray to the god that's unseen for when he hears you pray he will reward you <laughs> so i figured okay i'm gonna do that and then uh, <clears throat> so i started praying to see my daughters i haven't seen them in probably seven months by then. So that was my nightly prayer. I want to see my kids. I want to see my kids. And now I was, I was kind of thinking like to see them in person, but out of the blue, my brother sends me 20 photographs. <laughs> it's amazing. So I was thinking maybe, uh, wow, there might be something to this prayer thing. <laughs> So I kept on going, and the next month, um, the mother of, of my children, she, for reasons unknown, her heart started to soften up, and she sent me some pictures and some handwritten letters from my oldest daughter. So I was like, wow, you know. So now I kind of, I uh, changed my prayer a little bit. Instead of seeing them, I want to I talk to them. Still thinking, you know, I might get to see him and speak to him. I made, uh, we're allowed phone calls every Thursday and Friday. I made 78 with no answer. Then on the 79th time, I, uh, I'm sitting there in the office, and it's ringing, and I'm waiting for it to be forced to voicemail, which is normal. All of a sudden, I hear a voice, and I whew, almost had a heart attack, I think. <laughs> Oh, starts shaking. My hand was shaking. I'm like, uh, do you know it's me? <laughs> she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, well, can I talk to Lily? Oh, yeah, sure. So another prayer, third one. Now I've talked to him every week now 
on a daily or a weekly basis. You know, um, Kirk, some of you will know this. The final promise in the Old Testament, it's in Malachi, is that he'll turn the hearts of sons to their fathers and fathers to their sons. And by deduction, the hearts of children, fathers and mothers to their sons and daughters and vice versa. And that's what's happening. And you know how the Lord has been gracious in showing you that he's got you and he's got this. You know, Kurt, just because of time's sake, just very quickly. So where are you at in your journey with Jesus and your faith? Well, I, like I said, I was saved when I was 14, but uh, my relationship now is, is going strong and growing stronger daily. Uh, I'm a firm believer in prayer. If you don't, uh, if you haven't experienced it, I suggest you just read Matthew 6 and 6 and just try it. <laughs> just do it alone and, and from your heart. And you'll get it. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Kurt. Right, God bless you. you. All right. And last but not least, uh, aren't you encouraged already? Oh, man. Um, so this is Nate. He's one of our young bucks. How old are you, Nate? I just turned 20. Come on. You entered into the 20s. How long ago, by the way? Uh, well, it was like a week ago. Okay. September 18th. So. Okay, well, I missed your birthday. Happy birthday. I did it on purpose. All right. <laughs> so Nate... Um, you know, every person's journey is unique. Every person's story is uh, unique. Nate, um, you come from the church. Yep. Um, good family. Tell us just briefly. Uh, well, I was adopted at uh, seven days old. Um, my uh, my, uh, my biological mother, um, while we were in her stomach, she was uh, doing... God knows what kind of drugs, um, sleeping with all kinds of men, um, and uh, she lost custody of us. Obviously, we were in the hospital with her, but uh, my uh, my family now, um, this is the funny part, actually called the agency to see, to see if they had any African-American girls for up for adoption. Yeah, that didn't happen. Um, they got two African-American twin boys, so. Nate and his brother. Yeah, Jordan. So, um, not a good beginning, but the Lord, um, the Lord brought some wonderful parents into your life that have loved you and cared for you, and as I just said, uh, endeavored to raise you in the ways of the Lord in the church. Um, Nate, you fell no one falls, by the way, suddenly. It's always just kind of a gradual. How'd you begin sliding? Um, well, I guess it started in school, because uh, in school I was always um, trying to fit in. And uh, so um, me and my uh, twin brother tried fitting with the, I guess you used to call popular kids in school, because I was always country boy and not really the popular kid in school, so I would always try to hang out with them, and they uh, always bullied me and uh, denied me, so I hung out with uh, some of the kids that I knew lived in a trailer park, and they weren't 
really the best um, influence on me because they were all um, in the smoking and drinking and uh, having sex a lot. And uh, I really, the, the smoking and drinking, I didn't really have a problem with. Um, but the sex and watching porn, that was, that was, that's where I got hooked. And uh, all through school, um, it just started to get worse. And then I got into the workforce. I started doing landscaping. And I was, I didn't get as bad. I kind of got on track with life and God because I was always working and I wasn't really around girls or the internet, so I was pretty much safe at that point for a few months. And uh, then um, COVID hit, and then I um, lost my job, and then I got in trouble with a few girls and stuff on the phone. So um, uh, my biological mom found out about it. And um, at first, uh, she told me she wanted nothing to do with me. <sighs> Which that sucks because 18 years of not knowing her and finally finding her um, and meeting her for the first time only twice and hearing her tell me that she wants nothing to do with me really, and it still cuts my heart. Um, I probably will not, I don't, hopefully I recover from that, but um, my, uh, my youth pastor at my church, who actually knows your son, um, they went to college together, I think, um, told me about this place, and he first told me, um, you can go there for six months, and I was like, okay, that's doable, um, but if I didn't want to come here at first because I still wanted to find uh, another job to make money because I just, I wrecked my first car because um, that was a, uh, Lord help me. Um, oh, that was uh, an attempt to uh, end my life because of my biological mom telling me she didn't want nothing to do with me. And the weird thing is about that um, I've struggled with depression for a long time, so that taking over my brain just there's, there's nothing left. Um, but the uh, grace of God, I only missed a tree about probably that much. And um, I woke up in a hospital bed with my my mom now Michelle's hand in my hand saying, um, "It's time to go." And um, I will never forget this, and this um, kind of helped me with my walk with God. As I'm opening my eyes to see my mom's hand, um, I actually see a hand, and I don't know why I saw this, I actually saw a hand going like this. And it wasn't my parents' hand, wasn't, it was like above me, and I could see my hand going like this. And it's saying grab, it's saying grab hold. Yes, yes. And I'm like, grab hold. And I felt, literally felt like, and I never shared this with anybody, so you guys heard the first. So um, I never shared this, but I actually like saw everybody else in the room. I saw my own body. And God said, you have a choice. You can either stay here and die, or you can stay here and walk with me. So I chose to walk with yes, God. Yes, yes. Amen. So Nate, um, you, you know what I find just listening to stories? Just God's uh, ways of moving.
people, and that includes you and me, to him, whether it's through a John in Kirk's case or whether it's through his sister, whether it's through a father, whether it's through a youth pastor or just kind of some supernatural intervention that's inexplicable. God, you know, we sang it. You believe that? He's a way maker. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And so God has been working and moving and bringing Nate to himself. You know, the message Nate got out of the gate was, you're not wanted. And uh, God has been saying, those are lies. You are wanted. You're loved. Nate, you've been with us how long now? Five months. At the end of this month, it will be my sixth Five month. Five months. And... Uh, off the top of your head, um, is there a, a verse, is there a truth of particular that, that's come to mean something special to you? Yeah, um, this one on my arm. What is it? Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Nate, for sharing. And um, I didn't ask this of Kirk, but I'm asking it for Kirk and Nate. How many of you will pray for these brethren as well? Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You know, just as I wrap things up, um, Kevin, I'm not going to have time, but I'd like you to turn to John chapter 11. I indicated at the outset um, that we have a, a table out there. Please go to that table, would you, and pick up some literature. We want to resource you. Um, with information that you might need, you know, when you are out at Walmart or when you're at Culver's or, you know, in your neighborhood to your neighbor's, you know, friend who's got a niece that needs something like us. You can also find us on the web, lcm.life. We've got a cool website turned there. Um, I do want to encourage you to consider partnering with us um, as a sponsor, we have something akin to Compassion International and World Vision for $35 a month. You can help us do what we do. We are a nonprofit ministry, faith-based. Um, we use the J word. And so that just kind of separates, you know, what we can receive and what we can't. And so those of you who believe in the J word, anyone know what that word is? Jesus. Know that it takes people of faith, people like you, who believe in the power of God to change people, but that takes money. And I'm just asking that you would consider becoming a monthly sponsor for $35 a month. Uh, my wife and I have uh, sponsorees with compassion, and it's simple. It's just an electronic deduction. Many of you perhaps do that. Same in this case. If you do sign up today, we'll give you a really cool shirt. Um, if you'd like to purchase a shirt, they're $20. And we've got a bunch of them, and it's about, what is it, what's the insignia? Freedom? Something, something freedom, and it's got, find your freedom. And it's got our logo in the back. It's really cool, three different colors. But if you do sign up today, we'll give you one of those. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, John chapter 11, and I want to just give you something. As I, as I was thinking about this service, saying, Lord, uh, what can I bring of value? Um, how can I encourage these people and fortify them in the faith? And because of time, we, we can't read this entire chapter. Most of you, I suspect, know the story 
of Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. What I want you to catch is just a couple of things. I just want to read a few of the verses. John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. All of a sudden, we're greeted with these words out of the blue. Hmm, he's sick. And that word sick appears three times in the space of just a few verses. We don't know why. We don't know what happened. But it just kind of takes us by surprise. He's sick. He's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word, Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice they don't even use his name. There was a special bond, a, a kinship. Hey, the one you love, he's sick. And there wasn't even specification of, you know, hey, come quickly, help. You know, when you love someone and you know that, you know, you're loved by them, you don't have to use a lot of words. Fact is, Ron, it's probably that way with you and Mary. You don't even have to talk to each other when you eat together anymore, right? You can just read each other's minds, okay? I got to get some jabs into Ron, okay? The one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, excuse me, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. I just want to give you three things this morning. Why, how, and what? Why, how, and what? Can you repeat that? Why, how, and what? Why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? <laughs> Whether this pandemic, that we're still not out of the woods yet, or personal things in your life, in your family, in your business, in your body, in your neighborhood, in your community, why? Why is this happening? Well, there's lots of secondary reasons, but let me give you the primary reason. Why is this happening? Jesus tells us, verse 4, not just to his disciples. He tells this to you and I. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. This is simple, but I just want to remind you the answer, the big answer, to every why question is this. It's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. This crisis that's happening in a relationship, this crisis that's taking place legally, this big monster thing that's entered my life. There can be many sub-reasons, but the ultimate reason is for the glory of God. God is going to use that as a stage whereby he's going to flex his muscles and show off something. 
whether his wisdom, whether his generosity, whether his humility, his welcome, his power, he's going to use it as a stage to show off something of his beauty, his wonder. This is for the glory of God. That's the why. How? Well, how do I get through this? That's the next question, isn't it? Okay, why? Well, glory of God. Okay, I got to deal with life, though. How do I get through this? This is simple now. You're not going to revel in me today, and I don't want you to. I want you to revel in Jesus and in his word. But you might be disappointed. Man, he didn't give me anything profound. How do I get through this? Verse 3, the sisters sent word to Jesus. It just seems so obvious. How do I get through this problem, this difficulty? You send word to who? To Jesus. Kirk did that. Hmm, maybe this prayer thing works, this Matthew 6, 6 thing. You send word to Jesus. That's, by the way, not necessarily our default. Our default tends to be in the natural, right? I got this. I can handle this. Don't need help. Leave me alone. The sisters sent word to Jesus. You've got this situation. Man, why is this happening? Lazarus was a good guy. His sisters were good gals. They had something going with Jesus, just a real closeness. I don't get it. All of a sudden, out of the blue, he winds up sick, deathly sick. I'm a movie spoiler. He winds up dying. Why is this happening? I don't understand. The answer ultimately is it's for the glory of what? God. God's going to use it as a stage to flex his muscles and show something of his beauty. You've got to believe that. How do I get through it in the meantime? How? You do what? You pray. You send word to Jesus. You send word to him. What's that third question? Why, how, and what? What does God want from me in the meantime? Let's fast forward to verse 36. Jesus, he finally arrives. It's been confirmed Lazarus is dead. Martha and Mary are pouting. They're perplexed. Man, if you would have come here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus deliberately delayed and allowed it to go from bad to worse. Don't get it. He's deeply moved. He comes to the tomb. It's a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, the sister of the dead man said, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you, would you say it? If you believed, you would see the glory of God. What does he want from you and me? Belief. Didn't I tell you? Even when it just seems completely irrational, illogical, he's dead. Didn't I tell you if you believed? 
Yesterday I was uh, at a function and I was talking to a, a young lady whose father has um, the latter stages of a very degenerative disease. It's arthritis-like, and he's just getting more and more crippled over. And he's been this way since about age 47. He's now 70-something. And this young lady, just a precious uh, daughter who loves Jesus, fact is, was in the same class as my oldest son. So she's 30. My oldest son is 30. And I've always known her to be just a, a, just a dear, dear person of faith. She said, Pastor Jeff, I have been praying and believing as others have for my daddy all these years. And we continue to believe that God is going to heal him. And, you know, I have to tell you, sometimes I hear that. And I think, you know, let's deal with reality, okay? We all die. We're all afflicted with broken bodies. We've all got to just deal with life. And sometimes I have been critical in my spirit. Any of you like that? Like, just stop holding on. It almost seems like we move from faith to presumption. And if you, I, I tend to be that way, and I don't like that sometimes about myself. And I walked away from that conversation thinking, that's beautiful. She is going to believe until her daddy's last breath and that she still might keep believing. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And some of you perhaps, like this dear gal, almost 30 years of dealing with just something that just seems cruel, that seems just nonsensical, daddy just withering away. She continues to believe. And whatever your situation, I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep believing. Jesus said, didn't I tell you, if you would keep believing, you'd see the glory of God. Sometimes that glory of God isn't exactly what we were envisioning or expecting, but I will tell you this, it's always better. It's always grander. It's always much greater than we could have envisioned. Why is this happening? Why? It's for the glory of God. There may be other things, but ultimately it's for the glory of God. How do I get through this? Send word to Jesus and keep sending words. Keep firing off those SOS flares. Help, help, help. You should get kind of trigger happy, right? And where your, your index finger, my brother, just locks. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and we, we come greet each other every Sunday, and, you know, we look at Ron's hand and our Congo man's hand, you know? That's what those are called, right? Congas or something? And, man, you see kind of a, a crooked index finger. What's that about? I've been, you know, just pulling the trigger, sending SOSs. Heavenward. How do I get through it? I keep praying. I keep sending word to Jesus. And number three, what does God want from me? He just wants you to believe. I want to pray for you today. Lord Jesus, there are some that are hearing me. 
I just believe, I sense that are struggling with something. The why question has been vexing them. Lord, I just pray that they would, they would hang on, God, that they would keep sending word to you that their faith would not fail. And Lord, that we would be people that would believe, that we would believe through the challenges, the difficulties, the hard times. Maybe we've got a wayward son, a wayward daughter who's gone rogue. Lord, who has denied the faith, a faith that they were brought up in. We just don't understand. We've lost so many nights of sleep. God, I pray that we would not lose faith and confidence in you. It's for your glory. Lord, we, we, we have a hard time seeing that and imagining that, but Lord, we've got to believe that. It's for your glory. We're going to keep sending word to you, and Lord, we're going to keep trusting and believing. Lord, we're going to hold on. For those, God, who have a family member or a friend struggling, God, with, with drugs, alcohol, Lord, like the sisters did for their brother, who couldn't send word, we're sending word right now as your people. Please help, Lord, my granddaughter. Please help my boss's wife. Please, God, help my neighbor's niece. Please, God, have mercy and deliver her. Deliver him. God, we're going to hold on. Lord, we're going to be a people of faith who trust in you. And like Job, God, give us that gutsy faith that declares, go ahead, God, even if you kill me, I'm still going to believe. Give us that kind of gutsy faith. Lord Jesus, may this church, Lord, continue to live out its name and be a, a place in a community of hope that offers, Lord, redemption through Jesus Christ. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed as Pastor Norm comes. Is there anyone in here that you need to cross over right now from death to life? Maybe you've strayed from the Lord Jesus, and you need to get things straight. I don't want to serve this time up without offering that opportunity. Is there someone here? You just need to get things right with God. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. He's waiting for you to come home. He loves you. Anyone. Lord Jesus, I just pray if there are any, Lord, who need to return or any who need to come for the first time who are listening online, Lord, that they would do so. Lord, that they would know that you will turn back no one who comes to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, men. Thank you to the three guys that came up and uh, gave their testimonies. Uh, we have an opportunity. Of course, we do support this ministry monthly, but you have an opportunity as well to plant good seed into uh, what these guys do and, and ladies. Um, 
I was talking to Jeff's wife, Lori, who couldn't be with us today. I think she was trying to get up here, but whatever, she wasn't able to make it. But she was sharing with me how this summer, it got pretty hot down in Detroit. And, and I thought, well, turn the air on. And they don't have air conditioning in their building. And I don't have any idea what that costs. Uh, probably thousands, I'm guessing. Um, but this is just one need of many on a monthly basis that these folks have. And I'd just like to be able to send them out of here today, send them back home today to Life Challenge and, and the other uh, Life Challenge ministries with a good offering. So if you would, prayerfully ask the Lord right now, Lord, what would you have me do today? And I know there's no pressure. I, I've, I say this all the time because I don't want anybody coming in, oh, they wants my money. If that's what you think, you need a heart change. You should have prayed that prayer earlier with Brother Jeff. Because we're not all about money, but we know that money is necessary to do the ministry that the Lord is doing. And if you'd like to be a part of that, I, I would invite you. You can make a check out to uh, Mount Hope Church. Or, and I said this last time, you can go online and give. And there's a, a special tab there that we've added since the last time I said this. Because I found out you couldn't do it prior to this. So for the next uh, uh, four weeks, if anybody sends anything in to the special thing on our website... It will go to Life Challenge, so you'll have that opportunity as well. And, of course, you can still stop by their table if you want a T-shirt, if you want to do that. But let's, uh, let's just ask the Lord what he wants us to do, and then, if you would, ushers, would you come forward? Father, we thank you again for what you're doing through this ministry. For Brother Jeff and Lori, for all of the, the men and women that are being helped, Lord, to get their lives back, back on track. Every one of these guys is so special to you. And Lord, our hearts go out with them today. We pray for victory, Lord, that at the end of this year, that they're going to be stronger than ever before. They're going to be able to go back to their families if they have families. They're going to be able to do things for your glory that they could never do before. And Lord, you're going to use them in a special way. And now, Lord, just uh, bless this offering. Bless those that are able to give today. Uh, we love you, and we commit this offering into your hands. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, everybody that was able to give today. Thank you for coming out to the Hope. And how many were blessed to hear from We love you guys. I, I hope we can have you up again sometime in the not-so-distant future. And uh, we will be praying for you. So with that said, Father, again, thank you for everything you're doing in our church uh, through these different ministries, Lord, that are representing you. Uh, Lord, we ask now just keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Uh, Lord, bless these people as only you can. Show favor on them everywhere they go and give us opportunity to share the love that you've shared with us. We love you. And we just put our church, Lord, into your hands today and all those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next time.